Good morning. If you want to grab a cup of coffee or tea or water, we are going to get started. I think I just had a new thought. Maybe what we should do is at 9.03, we'll have a drawing for a prize from everybody who's here. And see if maybe that might encourage people to get here on time. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. Good morning. Everybody thought out enough to relax a little bit? And... Okay, good. Well, we're going to start a new series this week on redemption, two phases of redemption, redemption accomplished and redemption applied. Now, we will have four weeks between now and the time that we start the mission conference and a baptism, so we'll take a break there and come back for probably one or two weeks after that. So we've kind of got it mapped out that way. Let's uh, have a word of prayer together and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much now for the time to be together, to fellowship, to be in your word. And Lord, we come this morning to hear from you, not from any individual. We ask your spirit to take your word and, and do a work in our lives. Lord, you know what we need. Some of us need encouragement. Some of us need correction. And we need you to, to do the work that you know we need to do. We need to have done. Now we pray in Jesus' name that you would encourage us now through your word. Amen. Okay. So, redemption accomplishing a pride. Um, as I was studying for this, the last couple of months I've been studying to get ready to, to teach, I've been reminded how little theology most of us know when we get saved. We can be truly saved. All we need to do to be saved is to have a simple God-given faith in the basic message of the scriptures. Now there are people who and I can't remember the man's name now. He's written several books. But he was studying theology to try to prove God wrong. And in the, doing that, he, he was saved, you know. So there are people who come to salvation but, and know the theology. But, of course, until the Holy Spirit's in their lives, they, they can't truly know it, can't really apply it. But this happens to so, so many people. Myself included. You know, I can't believe, I, when I came to Calvary, I had, been a, a, uh, I had been saved for 20 years. And I can't believe how dumb I was. You know? Uh, I'm constantly amazed at my own ignorance. But God has done such a work in these 23 years now here in, in teaching and encouraging once a person is saved, God orchestrates a plan for their spiritual growth and development. It's a personal plan that is, is tailor-made 
to the individual's ability and to God's gifting and God's plan for their lives. Each of us have that. It's called sanctification. But there is, there are basics inherent in everyone's redemption and salvation that are identical, that are the same. And that's what we want to focus on in these next six weeks. If someone came up to you and asked you, what is God's will for my life, what would you say? Go to college or um, take this degree or that or go to seminary or become a bum, sell insurance. Those two are kind of pretty close. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but well, what would you say? What would you say if one of, when you're one of your children comes up to you and says, Mom, Dad, what's God's will for my life? That's more personal, that's more important. But there's a, a question that's even more important than that, and that is, Mom and Dad, what must I do to help prepare my child to answer for themselves? Now that's the $64,000 question. And most of y'all are too young to know what $64,000 is, but back in the day it was millions. What would you tell them? Maybe some of you are still asking the same question. You know, it has nothing to do with age. You know, we got 60-year-old people and above that say, you know, God, what's, what's your purpose for my life? Why am I here? You know? Well, Scripture gives us an amazingly simple and yet complex answer. Okay. <clears throat> Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, so that's, that's salvation. If he foreknew us, we are saved, okay? So he's talking about those who are saved. For those whom he foreknew, which is every believer, he also what predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So what is God's highest priority for you? Is it to become a mathematician? To become, the, the, the mathematicians are not saved, I don't think so. <laughs> a teacher, you know, or whatever. What is God's purpose for every one of us who are saved? Romans 8.20 says that we be predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That needs to be our top priority. Whether we're a brand new Christian at 18 years of age, a brand new Christian at 70 years of age, or an older veteran Christian at 70 years of age. That's God's priority. Now, whether we become a doctor, lawyer, or Indian chief, in my opinion, is totally secondary. When we get to heaven, God's never going to ask you, why didn't you become a teacher, or why didn't you become a chemical engineer, or whatever. He's going to say, what have you done with my son? Have you done what my son wanted to do in your life? Very, very important. The answer is simple on the surface, but it's one that has a lifelong quest. We use, I'm not saying that our careers are not important to God. 
God works through our careers. He gives us our careers to support ourselves so that we can seek his son, that we can be transformed. He gives us our careers so that we um, can be a witness to the world. So don't hear me say that our careers are not important to God, but they are secondary to what his purpose is in our lives. Thankfully, God does not reveal everything he has for us at the moment of salvation. If he did, we'd be completely overwhelmed. We would be able to handle it. Um, it would be a total overload. But what God does is that he unfolds, and I like that word, he unfolds step by step what he has for us. When I think of unfolding, I think of a scroll. You know, you, you got the scroll and you see what it says and you turn it and it unfolds. It gives you more and it gives you more. That's the way God works. He doesn't overload us at first. He takes, he knows our personalities. He knows our education. He knows everything about us. And he tailor makes our sanctification for us. Some of us at a different rate than others. That's God's thing. I love Psalm 119, 130. It says, the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding. As we get into God's word, as we study God's word, it, it, it unfolds before us. Right? I mean, you, you know things today that you didn't know a year ago as a Christian. God has shown you new light. God has, has revealed himself to you. He's made himself real to you through the scriptures and by the Holy Spirit's leading the unfolding of those words give us light. They give us wisdom, understanding of what we're to do, where we're to go. Okay. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's what? He is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. The new person that God has planned for us to become does, uh, involves not only the doing of things differently. When we become a Christian, we change some of our habits. Okay? But it's more than that. Even more importantly, being transformed into the new creation is what, is what God wants us to be. And of course, that new creation is his image. He wants us transformed into the image of his son. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, if you want to turn there, or just be a couple of verses. <clears throat> he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your lives, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Okay, here's the key. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, when he says the renewing of your mind, I think the unfolding of the light, you know, as we read, as we study the Holy Spirit renews our minds. Uh, we need something different yes, tomorrow than we did yesterday. God has it there for us. It's an un gradual unfolding. Always comes through his word. Always comes 
by the Holy Spirit. So this transformation is a lifelong renewing of our mind by the Spirit through the Word. Always comes that way. So as we walk in the, in the light, everything around us takes on new life. It gives us insight so that we can finally begin to understand truth. We have new priorities, new goals, new relationships. Just about everything in our lives are new. Now that can be said of a brand new Christian, one who's coming out of the world. There's a, new, there's a new life falling there. But we do ourselves harm if we don't realize that applies to me. You know, I'm 74 years old. I've been a Christian for 42 years. But still, God gives me light, new light. He gives me new priorities, new relationships, new goals. You know, it's never raining. It's exciting, you know. And if we say, okay, I'm saved, I'm going to sit down, I've got my insurance policy, I'm not going to go to hell. Sit down, we miss the greatest blessing that we could possibly have this side of heaven. And that's a fellowship and a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Lord. So important. Part of the fruit of our new creation is, number one, the desire and then the ability to know him better and to glorify God. That's something an unsaved person can't do. They can't come to know God better. I mean, they can read the Bible just like it's a book of Reader's Digest, and they can learn certain things, but it can't become power and strength in their lives like it can't for a saved person. Okay. Is that me or is that somebody else? Um, so the, part of the fruit of this new creation is the desire and the ability to know God better and to glorify him as God. There's a hymn, excuse me, I'm on four medications that dry me up so I have to keep swigging at it. There's a hymn we love to sing. It says, I will glorify, I will glory in my Redeemer. You remember that? We sing it often in church. I was tempted to sing a solo for you, but <laughs> now why are you laughing? You've never heard me sing a solo. I'm insulted. You would be if I sang. But it says, I will glory in my Redeemer. My life he bought, my love he owns. I have no longings for another. I am satisfied in him alone. Isn't that beautiful? I will glory in my Redeemer, his faithfulness, my standing place. Though, fall, they, though foes are mighty and rush upon me, my feet are firm held by his grace. My feet are firm held by his grace. I'm satisfied with him alone. You know? That we need nothing else. I mean, I can't say that. We need each other. We need the church. We need that. But I mean, as far as another God or to add to the one that we have, no thanks. We're satisfied in him alone. And then the second verse says, my feet are firm held by his grace. 
You know, for the saved believer, there is security. There is strength. Satan can't knock us over. Satan can't steal our salvation. Once we are saved, we have that firm standing. We are held by his grace. So what is our goal for the next two weeks? We've got two goals. Number one, to glory in our Redeemer by a better understanding of who he is. Okay? We want to understand. That's something we grow in all of our lives. You know, if you're a Christian for 50 years, you're still growing in your understanding of who God is. And then to glory in him by gaining new insight to what he has accomplished on our behalf. You know, I think all of us have, when we, when we look at our understanding of salvation and what God's doing in our lives, I think we all have holes in that list. I mean, if we were to try to list it down, one, two, three. There are things, there, there's, there are steps in there that maybe we've never thought about. Steps that we don't understand. Okay? Well... What we're going to try to do in this six weeks, and we've got a lot to cover in six weeks. You're going to have to listen real fast, okay? Uh, what we will try to do is we can't fill in every hole, but we're going to touch on each area. And if it's an area in your life that, hey, I, I've, I've never thought about that, that's the key for you to go and study or, or, or ask somebody for help. So this is really going to kind of be a, somewhat of an overview but we want to give it enough depth so you know what we're talking about. And we're going to be going starting in eternity past and we're going to eternity future. And as best my human feeble mind can understand it, along with John MacArthur, okay, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, um, we're going to try to touch on these things because there are steps involved. Um, if you would turn to the back page... the very bottom. I say, as we get started, I need to make one disclaimer. What I teach, I learn from others. I read, I study, and then share someone else's wisdom with you. I make no claims to being original, and will always share with you the references that I use for the time that we have together. Okay? So, don't say Joe said that. Well, you can say Joe said that, but if Joe said it, he better have a backup. You know, and if you have a question about what I say, you have the right to go ask, go ask Dan. <laughs> no, come to me and ask me, you know. The major references that I'm going to be using as we get started are Biblical Doctrine by John MacArthur and Richard Mayhew. Redemption Accomplished and Applied by John Murray. This is a classic from back in the 50s. And uh, that's where I stole my uh, heading from him. And then Hymns of Grace by the Master Seminary. So I just want to get that past that you understand that um, I, I stand on their shoulders and I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit to work. I mean, I have nothing to offer you other than that, except my beautiful voice, but you don't want to hear it. Okay, our goal is to better understand who he is and gain a new insight into what he has accomplished on our behalf. The theme for our study together <clears throat> is redemption, accomplished, and applied. 
okay? If you can think of it as a heading, redemption, we've got one column on this size that says accomplished, on this size it says applied. Accomplished is what did the Godhead do to accomplish our salvation? Okay? The other side is how does the Godhead work to apply what was done in our individual lives? Now, that, there are certain things. But the work that he does is the same in all of us. It can look differently. You know, I wasn't saved till I was 33 years of age, and um, I, I wasn't ever a gang member. I never took drugs. I mean, you know, I, I was perfect. You know, uh, but somebody else is coming from a different background. God works differently. And yet, he works the same. Hopefully, as we go through, that'll make sense. All right, redemption accomplished and applied. Unger's Bible Dictionary uh, defines redemption as a comprehensive term employed in theology with reference to a special intervention of God for the salvation of man. Okay? A special intervention of God for the salvation of man. What's the AKA on that? What else would we call that? Special intervention of God for the, uh, for the salvation of man. One word. How about incarnation? Right? That's the incarnation. God intervened in history. For the salvation of man. John 1.14 says. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten. Of the father full of grace. And truth. Okay. So Jesus came. As a man. To walk these roads. That we walk. And to live life as we live it. And to be able to come alongside of us. And, and understand us. Okay, phase one, the right-hand column, redemption accomplished. We want to go back to the very beginning, which had no beginning, right? And we want to try to seek uh, to have a better understanding of what it was, was involved in the redemption of man. Where and when did the redemption plan, redemption's plan originate? What price did each member of the Trinity have to pay? And what was their individual part? Now, you know, we can say, um, and we do say, Jesus loves me. Jesus saved me. That's true. But what we need to understand is Jesus saved us, but it was the Father's plan, and it's the Holy Spirit's working in application in our lives. So what we need to understand is our salvation came out of the Godhead, out of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Every one of them had a place. Um, okay. Redemption accomplished. Um, so we're going to look at where and when redemption's plan originated, the price and, and the individual part. Then we have redemption applied, which is the right-hand column, Okay. 
How, and this is so important, how does God bring redemption to each of his chosen children? What is the auto salutis? Now, I want you to be totally impressed. That's the only lat- phrase in Latin I know. But I saved it specially for y'all. So I, I want you to be impressed. How does God bring redemption to each of his chosen people? What is the auto salutis, the order of salvation? Tell me that's so important to ask, to know. You know, if, if, if we think of salvation as just a, an emotional outburst or, or an emotional feeling, or, then, then we're missing this. You know, we, we need to, to know, understand from Scripture how God works and then we see that in our lives. We can, we can put our lives alongside of Scripture and say, hey, God, you're working in my life. That's going to be so important. And we can get that out of about three verses. Okay? If anybody has $50, I'll go ahead and tell you what the three verses are now. If you don't have the money, go see Jason. Okay, let's look at the Father's plan of salvation and the mission of his son. So now we're talking about the fact that the Godhead is involved, okay? And we're going to look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and what some of that plan, part of was in the, in the plan. The Father's plan of redemption was twofold. It's just so important to, to remember and to understand. First off, to rescue his elect from the penalty and the dominion of sin and death. Now, the presence of sin and death will be removed when we get to heaven. But right now, he has, if we're saved, he has removed the penalty. Jesus bore that penalty on the cross. And he has, he has taken the dominion, uh, the rule of Satan's, Satan's right to make us sin. He's taken that dominion away. We do sin when we want to from our own fleshly nature. But as long as we're walking in the Spirit, Satan has no right to question, to tempt us or make us fall. And we need to know our rights so we know where we stand. Um, He's removed the penalty of sin. Romans 8, 1 says, I know it as well as the back of my hand, and I don't know why I can't. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no coming into judgment. If you're in Christ, Satan will come in, he'll tell you all kinds of stuff. There is no condemnation. Now, you sin willfully. You let your old man take advantage of the situation. Then God will rebuke you. God will chasten you. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of sin and the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So this we have as a promise. Okay, he came to rescue us. He came to 
from the penalty and then the dominion, Romans 6. If you want a passage of Scripture to memorize, that's the one. Romans 6, verses 5 and 6. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. Sin's dominion is broken. Okay? Sin's dominion is broken. So the father had two things in mind. He, he had he had to rescue us from sin and death. And then, importantly, to restore a right relationship with himself. Now, you know, so many people focus on this thing of forgiveness of sin. And, and that's, 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 that's right. But they leave out the idea that not only did God come to save us from our sin, but he came to restore a relationship with Christ. And if we forget that, if we don't, if we don't take advantage of that, if we don't learn about that, we lose, in my opinion, which may not be much, but in my opinion, we lose 75% of the joy of being a Christian today because our fellowship and our communion with God is the key that God's given us for, for happiness and, and fulfillment in this world. Titus 2.14 covers both points. It says, For Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. That's the rescue, okay? And to purify for himself a people for his possession, zealous for good needs. That's the restoration of fellowship. Right in that one verse. He came to rescue and he came to restore. Again, don't say, well, I'm saved. I'm going to sit down here in, in the church and live the rest of my life like this. You go miss it all, miss a lot of it. Miss all that God's got for you here in this world. So how did this plan materialize? Well, his plan materialized in God's decree of unconditional election. This is the avenue through which God would rescue. This is the avenue through which God would restore. Unconditional election. Number one, our Father's free and sovereign decision to set his love on certain individuals. The Father made that point. You know, remember, uh, well, it's right here. Uh, Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You know, he doesn't wait on our decision, quote, end quote, to trust him. He chose us and we're going to see when we get to the left-hand side of the column, we're going to see what that choice meant, how he worked to draw us to himself, the effectual call and, and, and all of that. We're going to we'll work on all of that in weeks ahead. But he chose us for himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify him for himself, a people for his own possession. All right, that's the plan. The plan materialized 
in God's decree of unconditional election. Number one. Number two, it's based only on his good pleasure. He chose some to receive salvation, not because of anything within us, but solely for his good pleasure. Ephesians 1.5 says he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention or the good pleasure of his will. The New American Standard and ESV says according to the kind intention of his will. But if you check the center column, an alternate reading is his good pleasure. He chose us according to his good pleasure. Okay? It blows my mind to realize that when God saved me, he took pleasure in it. When God forgives me every time I sin, he takes pleasure in it. Okay? Thought occurred to me this morning, I can't give you chapter and verse on this, so Take it for what it's worth. You go to um, Chick-fil-A and you thank them for something. What's, what's their response? My pleasure. I just wonder. I don't know and I can't apply this to God. I just wonder if when we thank God for something, he doesn't say my pleasure. If he took pleasure in dying for us, if he took pleasure in providing redemption for us, then maybe he'll take pleasure in our, our thanks too, you know. But it, just think about it. His good pleasure. So he, his plan of redemption was to rescue and to restore. That materialized through unconditional election where he made a free and sovereign decision to set his love on certain elect. And it was according to his good pleasure. And then we see his gracious plan was accomplished within the Trinity. Okay. How did the plan, how was it carried out? Now we talked earlier about the fact that the Trinity is involved in, all members of the Trinity are involved in redemption. We could see that now. God the Father devised a plan in which man's salvation would be accomplished by the redemptive work of his son. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I see the Trinity getting, having a conference. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are there. God the Father takes the lead. He's going to plan this thing out. And he's going to tell the, the Son's going to take up his part. The Holy Spirit's going to take up his part. Okay. The Son... The Father devised an eternal plan in which man's salvation will be accomplished by the redemptive work of the God, God of Son, the Son of God. The Son would take on human nature and secure the righteousness that man could never obtain for himself. He would live as a man in perfect obedience to the Father. You know, I've heard people say, I guess maybe I've said it too, you know, why didn't God just come down over the weekend, Christ come down over the weekend, and, you know, he could die and be buried, and Sunday go back to heaven and just miss no work, you know. 
But the fact is that God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son wanted to experience life like we do. Now, when you have a bad day, or your back hurts, or a friend has hurt you, or whatever, and you think, man, I've just, God doesn't know where I'm at. He does. For 30 years, he did. For 30 years, he experienced, and no, I don't think anybody's ever spit in your face. I don't think anybody's ever whipped you. They haven't me. But, but the, the, the Godhead was involved in that. The Son was here, but by the will of the Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Son would take on human nature. He would die on the cross as a substitutionary sacrifice to atone for our sins, for the sins of those whom the Father had chosen. Substitutionary sacrifice. We will talk a lot about that when we get to it. Let me read a passage. You know where I'm going, don't you? Where am I going? Hmm? Huh? No? I'm going to go to Isaiah 53. Verses 4 and 5. I want you to see the emphasis on the word our, O-U-R. Okay, it says Isaiah uh, 53, 4, 5, and we'll read 6. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was perished through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastening of, for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, each man each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Okay. Jesus poured all. You know. Um, the, um, if you do something to me or I do something to you, we can ask forgiveness and it's over. But for our sins, they had to be covered to make us acceptable to the Father. So Jesus had to, to pay the penalty for our sin. He couldn't say, okay, you know, I forgive you, go on. He had to take that penalty. If we stole, he had to take that penalty. If we lied, he had to take that penalty. He took on human nature. He became a substitutionary sacrifice. But then he rose green in victory. And, you know, uh, Romans 6 tells us that we, we um, are united with him in his death and in his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So all that he accomplished on the cross, all that he accomplished through his burial and resurrection is ours. 
You know, it's ours. You know? Praise the Lord for that. And then the saving benefits that he secured by the redemptive work are applied to us by the Holy Spirit. This is where we live today. The miraculous incarnation, the vicarious, vicarious life, penal substitution of death. If you don't know what that means, we'll go talk about it later. And his death defying resurrection. The Holy Spirit works in our lives to apply all that Christ has done, all that he has purchased for us. But you know, we can't turn a deaf ear to him. We need to get in God's word and find out for ourselves what he has done. I tell you what, this should be the most precious thing in your life. It's become that to me. You know, I mean, the word of God is, is, is I'll exaggerate, okay? It's everything. To me it is, you know. This is where my wisdom comes from. This is where my righteousness comes from. This is where my spanky spoon, as we call it, for the children come from. You know, God will spank me. He's not, he's not um, uh, at all slow to, to correct you know, and praise God for that. But this is where it's at. If you're not spending time in the Word every single day of your life, you're just cutting your own throat. The wisdom that you need, the joy that you need, the peace that you need, all comes from the Word of God. Okay? Now, where are we going from here? Um, we're going to take I can say five or six weeks. We may do a little bit longer, but I'm not going to lay that on um, Keith right now. Phase one, redemption, redemption accomplished. We're going to look at the cause of redemption. What was, what was the triune God's motivation in, in redeeming us? The necessity of the atonement. Could God have chosen another way? Why did Christ have to die? Okay. The nature of the atonement. Why the substitutionary sacrifice? Why couldn't there be some other way? The perfect sufficiency of the atonement. Do we need to add anything to God's atonement? You know, I've heard um, MacArthur not too long ago talk about, you know, through history, I mean, through the last 50 years or more, different Satan has, has, has used different things to try to um, throw God's people off track. Um, there's the, um, lost for words now, the, um, well, I'm, I'm not going to believe it. The thing that, that, that's, that's on, the, on the front burner right now in, in history, in, in American um Christianity is the sufficiency of Scripture. You know, is it sufficient? Well, yeah, but we need to add this, you know, and we need to add that. And sometimes, I mean, we're not talking about maybe adding the rosary like the Catholics have. But if you check, we check our lives. There are little areas 
where we will add things to make ourselves acceptable to Christ. And he says there are none. Do we need to add to God's atonement? And then the extent of the atonement, for whom did Christ die? Now that's going to be somewhat controversial, so um, maybe not in this church, but, but in most churches it would be. And we're going to talk about that. We're just going to beat it head on, okay? Then redemption replied, the order of salvation, very, very important. What order does God take? It looks different in different lives, and yet it's the same process. Talk about that. The external call, do you know the difference between the external call and the internal call? And the effectual call? We're going to talk about those. Conversion, what's involved there? How does God work? Our union with Christ, big, big issue. Another area where we really tie our own hands behind our back if we don't understand our union with Christ. Justification, we hear a good bit about that here. Adoption, we talked about that a year ago. Sanctification, perseverance, glorification. We're going to touch on each one of these things in the next months, okay? About Christ's accomplishments on the cross. Substitutionary sacrifice, we've talked about that. Propitiation, reconciliation, redemption, conquest. That was new to me to see that in this, in this uh, setting. These are things that we need to know and understand. Now, these are jewels that we can grab hold of, things that Christ has already accomplished for us, and we need to understand what they are. You know, If I might buy my wife a ring and, and, and take it home to her, she needs to find out what it's, you know, she needs to understand what's the value of it, you know. Uh, she's going to know because she knows me and she knows we don't have any money, so it's going it's, it's, it's to be a fake, you know. But still... I mean, somebody leaves you, somebody calls you and says, hey, you just inherited your Uncle John's estate. Well, what's involved, you know? Is it nothing but back taxes or is it something that's worth something, you know? So we need to know these things. And so my prayer for us and during this, this time uh, it's something that I've come to cherish. It says, O Lord, your truth delivered through your word by your spirit to your children for our edification and your glory. That's what I want to see happen in these weeks that we're together. And by God's grace, we will. And God's going to be gracious to y'all because you're going to have 10 extra 10 minutes this morning. Well, no, excuse me, nine because here he comes. <laughs> All right, good morning, everyone. Just a